Everybody doing all right? It is summer has wound down. This is the last day. We're getting ready to head into a new season in the fall. So I hope you've been praying and expecting to see Jesus move in new and unique ways as we enter a new season. How many of you know in the natural there are seasons and in the spirit there are seasons? And sometimes he propels us forward into those things because he's always got something good for us. Does anybody else believe that? That's, that's something like, that's almost another one worth saying to your neighbor. Like, tell him God's got something good for me. Yeah. We, sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves of that and just refresh that in our soul to know that God really does love us and he has good on our behalf in store for us. So trust that you're getting ready for fall. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for the Steelers winning last week. It was, it was pretty awesome. And then my heart got crushed by Pitt yesterday because I, every year I make the same mistakes. Anybody ever been in a bad relationship where you make the same mistake over and over again? It's like I give them my heart. It's going to be different this year. You guys are going to do it. And then, pfft. so, man, I, I don't know why I'm on the sports jag right now. That is neither here nor there for what we're talking about today. But uh, maybe that's, that's, that's symbolic. If you're in a bad relationship, ask Jesus to help you move on and change it. Um, we just, in fact, we prayed that during worship today. When he walks into the room, everything changes. I'm, man, I can't let go of that. There's a few. There are relationships stuck in right now that we need to invite Jesus into the middle of it. This relationship needs a change. There needs to be something miraculous that happens to move me out of this place where I've been and move me into what you have for me. So uh, if that's you this morning, just make that real with Jesus. Just say, Lord, whatever, even if you didn't do it while we were worshiping, you can do it right now. Lord, there's this relationship, there's this mess, there's this something going on in my life that needs your presence to come and transform it. So please, don't leave this place today with the same you're going through, because uh, Jesus has something good for us. Amen. Anyway, we're, we've been in a series this month called Done, and we, be, we called it Done because there are things that Jesus actually already accomplished uh, through his life, death, and resurrection, through his incarnation on the earth. There are things that Jesus already accomplished and gave to us, and they continue to produce benefits in our lives. How many other people do you know in the world that did something 2,000 years ago that impacted not just our day today, but impacts all of eternity, continues to produce? And I think we need to get our minds wrapped around what did he release in our lives? Uh, if we, hey, this is great. If we die, we're going to go to heaven, but there's so much more. He released some things to us that produce life right now, here and now. And that's good news because if we, if we didn't have any impact of the cross and the resurrection on our lives, if we were just subjected to whatever the whims of the world were, it would be pretty bleak. But Jesus released something into our lives that continues to produce good for us. Uh, Jesus came, if you're reading through scripture, you'll actually find a variety of reasons that Jesus said he came. Uh, the first week we did this series, he, we said that he said he came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to seek and save us because we were all lost at one point. If you're in this room and you feel like you're still lost and you've never been found, come and see us afterwards. I'd love to tell you more about what it means to be found. Uh, then last week, we had a little bit of a family time together last week, and we talked about Jesus came to level the playing field, that he really elevated the marginalized people in life, especially the children. And we reminded ourselves that he said we need to have childlike faith because that's who the kingdom belongs to. And the cross 
cross, when Jesus went to the cross, it empowered every promise that he ever came to release to us. So have you ever looked at something, what I want to get into today, have you ever looked at something and just thought, that's bad work? That's shoddy work. Whether Anybody ever build a house? You have a contractor that you've called him like 500 times because there's shoddy work. There are things that we've seen. We, we had a house one time. Oh, this is terrible. Um, we had a builder, apparently, that didn't know how to do things well. And this, this is not any of my houses that I've ever lived in, but there's, there's a couple for you that you just look at that and you know that's bad work, right? We had to cut a hole out of the door so that it could open around the light bulb. And then you're not going anywhere on those steps. So <laughs> sometimes bad work is very obvious. Sometimes it's hidden behind the scenes, undercover. Like we had a house one time where the builder apparently didn't put any insulation in one of the outside walls that one of our water pipes ran through. And as soon as it froze in the wintertime, I'm sitting in the basement watching TV and I hear it sounds like a waterfall at our house. I'm like, what could that be? And I stick my head out the back door and there is water, like Niagara Falls level water, running down the siding on the back of our house because there was no insulation and the pipe froze and then it just burst. Um, our neighbor, this is, this is actually kind of humorous. I'm not going to tell who the builder was because it's not local to Pittsburgh, but our neighbor, same builder, we were in his kitchen one time, an older couple, Kurt and Marge, and we looked down the register, had the heat vent on the floor in their kitchen, and you could see the yard. Like, <laughs> there's outside right there. How many of you know that's bad work? And sometimes, like, the only answer in some cases when we see bad work is to tear it all out and start again, to get back to what was the master plan? How was this supposed to be built? And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people right now walking around with shoddy workmanship in our lives. And for whatever reason, we've, we've tried to live with it. We've learned to compensate for it. We've let it exist in our lives. And sometimes, this is, this is the painful news of Christianity that you don't hear everywhere all the time, but sometimes Jesus comes because he loves us so much and wants what's best for us, he tears some of that stuff out and builds it back according to the plan that he had originally. And we need to come into agreement with him and let him do that because uh, it's unhealthy to walk around with stuff that we know isn't according to the plan, right? And one of the things that Jesus did, one of the things that he actually accomplished on the cross is he destroyed the work of the devil. How many of you know the devil is some bad work? Come on. And, and we don't... There are people that they do stupid things building houses or you see them at the workplace or in relationships. Sometimes it's unintentional and they just do it and it's bad work and, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But the devil does bad work on purpose. Come on, that's, that's a whole nother level when you have somebody that's doing bad work uh, because they want to destroy things and destroy people's lives. And uh, I think, reading through scripture, that it's pretty obvious in Jesus' life that he saw a bunch of things that were bad work that didn't line up with his master plan. Whether he went around and saw people who were sick or demonized or living in lack or oppressed or existing under prejudice, Jesus saw all those things and he began to tear some of those things out and rebuild them according to his master plan because he destroyed the work of the devil. In fact, I think you read through scripture, Jesus tore so many things out and rebuilt them that he could have had a renovation show on HGTV. Come on, come on. Are there people in the room that still watch HGTV? Instead of, I saw that hand back there. Somebody in the back just raised their hand like that. Yeah. Instead of Property Brothers, it could have been the Property Trinity. 
Nah. Love it or list it, could have been loved it and saved it. Now, these are all dad jokes that shouldn't have made it past the filter, right? Oh, that's terrible. Eternal fixer-upper. All right, we're going to move on from that. But Jesus really does. He comes and he destroys the work of the devil and he rebuilds according to his master plan. Uh, the verse that we get that from, 1 John 3, 8, says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Everybody say destroy. That's good news. It's, it's almost like an oxymoron because the devil, what he was actually building was destructive in our lives. It destroyed the world and Jesus came to undo that. He came to destroy the destroyer. And I will tell you that growing up, I had a couple people invite me to come help them with house projects. The destruction part was my area of expertise. I'm not so good on the finishing part or the construction part, but give me a hammer and say, knock that stuff down. I'm all about it. And that's, that's what I did as a kid and, and growing up. Oh, we, we put a house on this lady's roof one time and uh, it was in Virginia. She was a single mom. She had leaks coming in, water's going in. And so we get there to do the house and they looked at me and, and my friend, Pastor Lee, and they gave us these shovels. You ever see these shovels? They have little jagged marks. They got teeth on the end so you can like scrape the shingles off and get all the nails out and clear the old shingles off the side of the roof. So they gave us these shovels and they're like, hey, go start tearing that stuff off. And I'm like, yes, I'm in my element. That's terrible work though. It's hard. And I'm up there scraping and scraping. We get that side cleaned off. And then the guys with the cool tools. Anybody know guys with cool tools? They got the air guns. They got the, the cool tool belts and everything. They get their stuff out to part, start putting the shingles on the roof where we just cleared it off. And they looked at me and Pastor Lee and said, all right, now go clean the other side off. And I was like, ah, oh, that is my lot in life. I'm not the construction guy. I'm the destruction guy. How many of you would like to cooperate with Jesus to see the work of the devil destroyed in your life? Come on, that, that should be, if you're ever raising your hand in church, that's the time right there that you would like to see the work of the devil destroyed in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of your loved ones. We ought to be in agreement with Jesus of, I don't want the work of the devil to exist in my life or the life of those I love. Uh, so that word destroy in First John 3, 8, uh, one aspect of it is actually to ruin something by breaking it to pieces. Like when you get to destroy something on purpose, that's actually kind of fun sometimes like to destroy the work of the devil jesus ruined it and broke it to pieces uh there's another meaning of destroy in the greek that also implies to reverse the result of something to untie something or to loose it or to set free maybe you know there may not be physical destruction that happens in somebody's life but you can tell when they get free when they've been loosened by Jesus, when the work of the enemy no longer has hold on them, it's like you can see it in their whole countenance. There's something transformed about their life. And uh, specifically here in this verse, uh, that word destroy means to overthrow or do away with something. I'm like, Jesus, that, I want that in my life and for the life of those I love, to untie people, to loose them, to set them free, to reverse what the enemy has done. And come on, it's not like the devil's not working anymore. How many of you know the devil is still very much at work? At least three people, four people. There, there are a lot of things. You don't have to go any further than walk out the front door, see people interacting at a restaurant and lunch today. 
And you can get a sense, oh, the devil is at work in some people's lives. So it's not like the devil is not working anymore. So what aspect of 1 John 3, 8 is actually done? What is accomplished in the world that Jesus went to the cross to do? And what he did when it says he came to destroy the work of the devil, Jesus took away the ability for the devil's work to produce anything in our lives as Christians. Come on. It's part of the good news, part of the benefits package of being in the kingdom, being, a, being saved, being a Christian, a follower of Jesus. He took away the ability of the devil's work to produce things in our lives. And all of these things don't do you any good if you don't believe. Come on, all these things that we're talking about that Jesus actually did, you must believe to access them. They are part of the kingdom. That's part of the gift he gave us in the cross. You don't have to work hard at it. You don't have to do anything to earn it, but you do have to believe and receive it. And that's one of the things he did. We've got to share the gospel and the good news with people because there are a lot of people running around that the devil still is working and building things in their lives. And they need to know that there's a different life available, that Jesus came to destroy that stuff so that we don't have to live that way. I was thinking this week, when, when we don't believe and we don't access the benefits that Jesus has given us. Anybody have a car payment ever in your life? Like, if somebody came and paid off your car, would you still send a check to the loan company every month? I'm seeing at least some people are shaking their heads. If you kept sending in a loan payment after your car had been paid off, can we just be honest in church and say that that would be stupid? Like, why would you do that? Give, send me your money. I'll, I'll take your money if you want to get rid of it that bad. That's what a lot of people are doing, though, when they don't receive what Jesus did on the cross. Our debts have already been paid. There's something that all we have to do is receive it, and yet they still keep living under the tyranny of sin and letting the devil work in their lives. And part of the good news we have that we carry is you don't have to live that way anymore. Uh, so practically, what this means for us as Christians, if you're a believer and you're in this room this morning or you're watching online, you don't have to live with the results of the devil's work. You don't have to let that prosper in your life. And come on, I'm, I'm, I've probably said devil more in this sermon than you've heard me say in five years, right? Come on. We, we are a church that we do not give the devil a lot of airtime. Because I'd rather talk about Jesus and how awesome he is and what he does. But I even know the Apostle Paul, come on, 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, I don't want Satan to outwit us. He says, after all, we are not ignorant about Satan's scheming. Maybe, you know, the devil has plans, he has schemes, he's trying to work in the world, and we don't need to be ignorant of it. We're not going to glorify him. I'm not going to... I'm not ignorant enough to stand up here and tell you that every problem in the world is caused by the devil. Come on, he gets, he gets more credit and more blame for stuff that he doesn't do. I don't think he has that much power to accomplish everything that you see going on in the world today. Some of it is just good old mankind stubbornness. But he does have schemes and he is at work. And he wants to do things that will cause us to miss out on the life that Jesus came to give us. So we don't want to give him too much attention. He's not around every bush. He's not around every corner. He's not... I don't, I don't, come on, the devil is not omnipresent. We, we give him more credit. We think he's like right there. Come on, the, the king of evil, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, whatever name you want to give to him, do you really think he's right there personally involved in your situation? He's, he's got other people for that. 
But we give him this credit, like he's there involved in every single decision we make, and he's ruining our lives. But we don't need to be ignorant of his schemes. And uh, Paul, when he said, I don't want Satan to outwit us, we're not ignorant of his schemes, he actually said that in the middle of a conversation about forgiveness. Can I tell you that one of the ways to tear down the work of the devil is to forgive people? Unforgiveness is most certainly part of the devil's work. And when Jesus came to the cross, what he did in destroying the devil's work is he gave us the power and the ability to forgive. Isn't that amazing that we actually could let people off the hook in our lives for the things they've done to us and it gives us life and it destroys the work of the devil? That's something that we should be excited about because every one of us, well, I coerced you into it, but just about every one of us raised our hands earlier and said, hey, I would like to be in agreement with Jesus to destroy the work of the devil in my life. And one of the ways we can do that is when we forgive people. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for giving us the ability to forgive. When, when we do that, come on, we're coming into agreement with what Jesus already did, saying, I forgive you, and it releases life to us and destroys the devil's work. Uh, so... This may be the only sermon I do for the next five years where we talk about the devil this much, but I want to give you just some quick hits on what are the other works of the devil that Jesus already came to destroy that we get to cooperate and agree with him about. And uh, all of these works of the devil have been disempowered in our life through the cross. You don't have to live with this stuff anymore. Uh, So what does the devil do? Part of his work is he tempts people. Come on, that's what he did to Jesus in the wilderness. You remember the story? The devil took him up, showed him the the kingdoms and said, hey, if you just bow and worship me, I'll give you all this. If you jump off the thing, turn these stones to bread. He was tempting Jesus because that's part of the work of the devil. He tempts people into sin. And I will tell you that saying no to temptation destroys the work of the devil in your life. What else does the devil do? He's a murderer. That's Jesus actually in John 8, 44. He told people, he says, the devil is a murderer. That means he tries to destroy life wherever he can. He tries to suck the life out of relationships. He tries to, to make us live in lack where we don't have anything and we lose our hope for tomorrow. He tries to take the life out of every situation. And if he can actually get away with it, he tries to physically take life from people. And I think that's part of why we promote life at this church. Can I, can I say that? The argument, the argument today that's going on in society about abortion and is this right or wrong and should we euthanize old people? Anytime that we promote life, we're destroying the work of the devil. And that ought to solve the issue for us as Christians. What can I do in this situation to promote life and to say, hey, Jesus came so that we could live And that's why we take a strong stand on that and say, hey, Jesus came so we could have life, and that means for everybody. There's a quality of life, not just physical, but also spiritual, but I think it starts, how can you have spiritual life and be born again if you don't ever get a chance at physical life? All right, you guys still with me? A bunch of people giving me looks this morning, like, oh, he he got a little political there. Come on, he... The devil wants to rob people of life, and Jesus came so that we could destroy that work and promote life. Uh, also in John eight forty four, Jesus said the devil was the father of lies. So the devil lies all the time. It's his native language is what Jesus said about the devil. That's pretty crazy that everything he says is a lie to us. And embracing the truth destroys the work of the devil. 
How many of you know that the truth is not a set of the- theological principles? The, the truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And the more we embrace him and cultivate our relationship with him, the more it tears down the work of the father of lies. So we don't want, we're going to embrace truth. We're not going to give in to the lies. We're not going to believe something else than what God has said to us. Uh, so what else does the devil do? I'm just hitting the bullet list. Uh, he steals God's word. Luke 8, 12. How many of you remember the parable of the sower? He's spreading the seed. It's fallen on different grounds. And it actually says in Luke 8, 12 that the enemy comes to steal the seed of God's word from our lives. So that it doesn't take root. It doesn't produce. When the word is stolen, it actually hinders us from believing and seeing salvation operate in our lives. It's not too teachy this morning, is it? Just going through this list, hitting some highlights, because we don't want to cooperate with the enemy. It hinders us from believing when the word gets stolen from our lives. So getting the word of God in us destroys the work of the devil. That there's some of us that we need to start right there as Christians. We need to go back to the basics and say, I'm going to get the word of God in me. That's, that's actually a season we're entering into right now in our kids' ministry. We're getting back to, hey, kids, this is what it means to know and to study and to love and to nourish ourselves on the word of God. Not just memorizing things for memory's sake, but getting it into our heart where we really become believing believers. Can I say it that way? That's something I want us to be as a church. We need to be believers, not just in name only, but in word and deed. We need to be believing believers. And we do that. Part of it starts by putting the word of God in us. So when we get the word in us, it destroys the devil's work. Uh, Some other things the devil does. He keeps people bound up and oppressed. He keeps them sick. And I think every time you pray for healing or deliverance for somebody, you destroy the work of the devil. You are coming into agreement with what Jesus released on the cross. The devil stirs up anger, division, and strife. Uh, Ephesians 4.27 actually says, Anger gives a foothold to the devil. I would like my life to be a place where the devil can't find a foothold. Slippery slope where he can't find any way to get his foot down to say, Hey, I've got traction here. I can do something in your life. And he says in Ephesians, Paul says, Anger is one of the things that lets the devil have traction in our lives. It gives him a foothold. I, this is my personal opinion. Again, you guys can agree or not. I think that is one of the main symptoms of what we see the devil's work producing in the world today. There is, there is as much anger as I've ever experienced in my life out simmering in our nation. And I, and I don't know if that's just the time and the season we're living in, or if it's just our own filter for what we're seeing. But I think there's a lot of things that are going on that we're giving the devil a foothold in our lives because we're angry all the time at everybody for every reason. Like, oh, you don't agree with me about whether lettuce is good or not. (laughs) Heather Heather always told us growing up she was going to have a band called No Lettuce because like, what do you want on that sandwich? No lettuce, anything but lettuce. And so I don't know how it works. You pass those genes down to your kids, but she's sitting with Leo the other day and she says, he says, can I have a bite of your sandwich, mom? And it actually had lettuce on it. And oh, it was a salad. It was an actual salad. You were eating a salad. Okay. She's eating a salad. Leo says, can I have some of that? And there's all kinds of stuff in the salad, right? And Leo's eating it. And he says, mom, I liked everything in there except the lettuce. And I'm like, he's your son. 
Like, he totally got that from you. Oh, it's stupid what people are angry about. But it could be, I like lettuce. You don't like lettuce? We're going to fight about that. Come on. There are stupid things that we're letting divide us, and we're giving the devil a foothold in our lives, in our communities, because we're giving in to anger. We're indulging ourselves. And sometimes, as Christians, we dress it up and try to say, well, it's righteous anger. I'm just angry at what the Lord is angry at. You're just indulging yourself is what you're doing, and it's giving the devil a foothold. Moving right along. Please don't get angry at me, because it will give the devil a foothold in your life. Just smile and amen. Say, Pastor Chris, I love you. I forgive you. It's all good. Whatever list you could come up with of the devil's work, there is a kingdom reality that we can embrace, something we can do in our lives that comes into agreement with what Jesus came to do when it says the Son of God came to destroy the devil's work. When, we, when the devil lies, we tell the truth. There's something that is a kingdom truth and a reality that we do that, and the devil has no place in our lives. And a common factor in most of these things on the list, the works of the devil, is sin. Come on, here's the first half of the first verse that we read earlier. 1 John 3, 8 says, He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Remember the beginning of the story? He asked Adam and Eve, don't you want to know what the difference between right and wrong is? God's, God's keeping that knowledge from you. You could eat this fruit. You'll be like him and you'll know right and wrong. You'll know what sin really is. Come on, he's been doing it from the beginning and he loves when we do it. The devil's out there, as a, as a Christian especially, if he could get you to fall into sin, he's like, ah, my work has some force behind it now. There's some building material. Oh, that, the person with authority in the world is coming into agreement with me. That's what happens when we sin. And it lets the devil produce death. Um, it promotes his work. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. Watch this. This is what happens. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, Jesus came to give us life, but sin always produces and empowers death. It comes into agreement with what the devil wants to produce in our lives. And it says that the power of sin is the law. Everybody look at your neighbor and say the law. Yes, the Ten Commandments. The stuff that is associated with it, all the observances, all the things that the Jews did to make themselves righteous, all the rituals. In Romans 7, Paul actually says that he wouldn't have known what sin was except for the law. He goes on further in Romans 7, he says, apart from the law, sin is dead. It doesn't have any effect or any power. And yet he comes around to, but wait, the law is holy, righteous, and good. So where, where does that rub come in? He says, oh, the very thing that was showing me what is holy actually killed me because it woke that sin consciousness in me. And Jesus did something about that. In Colossians chapter 2, this is what it says in verse 14, that he did this by erasing the charges that were brought against us by the written laws God had established. He took the charges away by nailing them to the cross. 
Come on, he's, he's talking about Jesus not only carried the sin of the world, but part of how he did that is he took the very law that was accusing us of you always fall short. You coveted, you lied, you stole, you had murder in your heart against that person. He took those very charges in his body and nailed them to that tree. And they died with him. It says Jesus took their power. In verse 15 of Colossians 2, it says he stripped the rulers and authorities of their power. Come on, the power of sin was the law. And it says that Jesus stripped them of their power. And he made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory in Christ. Isn't that pretty amazing that Jesus came to do something I could never do? There was power arrayed against me. I had no choice but to go along with the devil's work. And Jesus came and said, hey, I'm going to take away their power and make you free to walk in the life I'm giving you. Jesus destroyed the work of the devil in that action. He loosened its grip on us. He overthrew its power. Does that mean the Ten Commandments are bad? I would never stand up and tell you, do this, that's the opposite of what those commands are. Because I think, hey, those, those are things about how we relate to God, how we relate to people. But it's more than that. There's something that God has written in our heart, the law of love that he put in here when he went to the cross, that if we really are following after Jesus, you won't have to give a second thought to what the Ten Commandments are. And whether they're on the wall in the office or not. Because you'll treat people and love them exactly like Jesus wants you to. It's funny to me. Paul says the power power of sin is the law. And the law makes sin consciousness and produces death. And it's like that's the thing we throw in people's face. Some people need it to know that they're dead. But they also need to know, hey, Jesus came to make you alive. He came to, to save you from all of that rule-keeping and trying to figure out what's right and wrong. He came to give you a life. So here's, here's the action item. And this is not really specific. I'm going to ask you to go home and pray about this and, and ask God what it means to you. Uh, the action item I, I felt like I was supposed to encourage us this week with was believe what's already been done. If Jesus really did destroy the work of the devil... I'd like us to go home this week and ask him, Lord, is is there somewhere where the devil's work has still been producing in my life? And where do I need to come in agreement with you to know that that has been destroyed and it has no more place over me? And it it could be something we've talked about already, the the unforgiveness thing. There may be somebody somebody that's in your heart right now that you just know, man, I need to forgive them because I'm I'm empowering the devil's work by harboring unforgiveness. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to let you ask God about that this week and say, Lord, I believe you came to destroy the devil's work. Where is it still operating in my life that I need to get it out of there? There's freedom available for us right now. You don't have to wait for some miraculous thing to happen in your life because Jesus already did it on the cross. You can embrace freedom right now. Oh, Uh, this is very... God deals with me about this on a routine basis. You are as free as you want to be right now. The, the, Jesus came to give us the ability to be completely free. That It is for freedom that he came to set us free. And if we're walking in somewhere that's not seeing freedom happen in our lives, we need to go back and ask Jesus, why is that happening? Because you came to make me completely free. Anyway, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand together.
I'm just, I'm just going to say the, the first thing that any of us could ever do to start destroying the work of the devil is to believe that Jesus came for us. Come on, if, if you got saved, if you've been born again, whatever name you want to give it, I, I got regenerated, whatever name it is in Scripture that you see, it came from believing. And the moment you believed, you started destroying the devil's work in your life. And if you've never done that today, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came and died on the cross for me, this is a great day to start destroying the devil's work in your life. And if you need to do that, I'm going to ask you to come see us after service. There will be some people up front to pray with you, or I'd love to talk with you. Uh, or if you're watching online, please send us a note. Say, hey, I, I'd like to know what it means to believe and to see the devil's work gone out of my life. He really did come to make us free. Thank you, Lord. God, we come before you right now as your children, thankful for your presence in our lives, thankful for your goodness towards us. And Jesus, we know that you came to destroy the devil's work. Lord, I ask that you would take those things that we know in our head and truly root them in our heart. Lord, let the, let the choices we make, let the lives we live, let the ways that we interact with other people and how we conduct ourselves, let them flow from a place that we know that you came to destroy the devil's work. And God, I ask that whatever those things that, that you challenge us with this week even, I ask that you would give us your grace to be able to do them. Lord, help us to obey. Lord, where there's somebody maybe that's wronged us and we need to forgive them, help us to release that forgiveness this week. Lord, where there's lies that we've indulged in, Lord, help us to embrace the truth. God, I thank you right now that you release your life and your freedom in us to such a degree that the people around us would be aware of it that people that interact with us would look at our lives and they would begin to ask questions about the quality of life that we experience, the joy that we carry, the hope, the optimism that we have, the life that flows in us, the way we're able to love people. Let your life flow in us so much that the world around us notices. And then, Lord, let us be quick to open our mouths to share why we have those things in our lives because of your goodness because of your work, Lord Jesus. God, we honor you this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. God, continue to let your goodness and your mercy follow after us. Continue to let your name be made famous through our lives when we go out of this place. Lord, bless us indeed. <laughs> thank you that we don't just have to meet with you one time a week in a room here but you walk with us everywhere that we go at every moment. God, be honored now in Jesus' name.